correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve, and I'm here this evening with my friend Steve once again. Hey Steve. Hello. And uh, we've got a couple of guests tonight, actually. But before we get to that, what's our podcast of the week this week, Steve? It's one that doesn't release episodes very often. Well, they did it is, for a while. They have got a yeah, couple. They've been catching now. up recently. They might they might be talking about our podcast like a year ago at this point. <laughs> now, if you don't forge. know, yeah, it's the Forge. <laughs> our buddy Hooli, our, our honorary Steve. Yeah, Hooli and Chris uh, talking about everything Genesis. Yep, and so. they as we're recording, they just dropped an episode like two days ago, which was more in their big series on the magic of Genesis magic system that being and different ways to use it and all that fun stuff and you know the forge is basically your one-stop shop to how to um disassemble and reassemble genesis as you need i wonder if that was prompted by me who knows well remember i had that confusion about the magic system in genesis Mm -hmm. and got rightfully blasted by everyone really didn't uh take you to task more in our chat than i know i figured he would have well before we get into this conversation, we have some <laughs> guests, some very important people to speak with. Yes, we do. We are joined this week by Luke Stone and Nick Tockert, who are here to talk about a couple of different things. So I'll kind of let them explain it as we get there. But uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Luke, thanks. You yeah, th- thanks for having us. Yeah. It's a real pleasure being here tonight. Um, Steve, you know, I there's, there's, a, there's such a, a beauty in the fact that you have two hosts named Steve. So then I can just, <laughs> it's like, I'm killing two birds with one stone. Oh, I'm stone. Yes. <laughs> right. Killing Steve. Works out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's okay. I, uh, don't say that. I'm not on visual. So you can't watch the eyebrow pop of doom. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking forward to tonight. I think it's going to be fun. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm Nick Tucker, freelance author, artist, sword master, and in this case, game designer. Uh, we're going to talk about the hybrids RPG, the base plus two system. We'll, we'll get probably towards the nuts and bolts. I don't know if I'm supposed to or not supposed to rage about the whole OGL Watsy thing, but I'm more than happy to if that's invited. <laughs> um, you, you, those of us who've been working to escape those bounds since they saw it come down, like there are clauses are dangerous. You know how Batman um, kind of like, you know, he's just is seething in his Batcave. Oh, yes. that's that you know about the Joker and stuff like that. That's Nick about Watsy and his little Batcave over there. My coat is very brown. You have to understand this. And when I see an overwhelming force trying to crush out the little guys, it just switches something in my head, and I aim to. And then things just happen. It's not my fault. It's just things happen. And all, all gesturing, you know, all, all jests aside, gesturing lot because I, you know, you're handcuffed me to speak. But we're going to have a great time because we're talking about favorite subject on earth, or one of my easy top fives, uh, gaming. 
And this is a great system, and the world needs more great systems like this that people can actually pick up and play and not need a, a master's degree in statistics and, you know, an investment more than a small home in middle Iowa just to be able to buy the core rule books. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Uh, we're not the biggest fans. Uh, I've said before, I think the, the biggest thing Watsi could do about this whole OGL thing is if they made a game good enough that people didn't care. But we all know that that's probably not going to happen. Dude, that's, I mean, come on, that's a big ask. I mean, that's... <laughs> they made 3.5, and then Paizo decided, hey, let's make it right. And then they tried to make World of Warcraft the role-playing game and failed miserably. And, you know, I know we're not supposed to talk about those dark years, but then they made Streamline 3.5, which has, there, there were some mechanics. I will be honest, because I believe in being honest even about companies that I disagree with. There are some, some mechanics in there that are very useful, and you know, there was a lot of innovation the creative team put in there. I will, I will never bash the creatives for the corporate swine doggery. Corporate swine doggery, band name called it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's a good, that's, that's one of those just good, like... It, it, Anti-political, yeah. Like, yeah. That'd be a great punk band. Yeah, just yeah. a good anarchist punk band. That's a oh, that's yeah. a good one. I will tell you that corporate swine doggery, they, their fans favor Mohawks. They're not afraid to yell oi, even though they're not British. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they have profound opinions on what type of beer is better. They don't drink, but even <laughs> I know that the, the corporate swine doggery has, you know, profound opinions on, you know, Guinness appreciation. I think it might be out what of is the best beer and why is it Pabst Blue Ribbon? Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. R remind me to find a song called uh, Truck Driving Vampire for you. Actually, I'm probably more of a Yingling guy if I drink at all, but yeah. I don't because, because you do not you do not want a, a, a drinking Luke. You do not want that. <laughs> Western PA, Yingling is the beer of choice. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's from right around here, I believe. Ah, but in any case, I, Steve and I have had a, a number of conversations around uh, Watsi, and, and we've come to the conclusion that, well, neither of us particularly like the game. We hate the company. <laughs> we don't like you, and we don't like your products. Please leave us alone. <laughs> the problem is they took Asbro, God help us, tried to do Nerf or nothing, and then failed to oh. make the Nerf blasters. Don't get me started on Nerf. I, I could. He went off on this on the episode I haven't even released yet. Yeah. You're clearly a man of wisdom. So, you know, <laughs> you have that going on. And these guys get a hold of D&D. &D. Well, you know, it used to be Nerf or nothing. I'd, I'd rather have nothing now. Oh, no. Uh, oh, please. I, I, can, I can recommend some brands that'll knock your socks off. Dart yeah, Zone can... things. Dart Zone. I've seen Busby blasters that are better than most 60 plus dollar Nerf guns. Yeah. <laughs> That outperform the, the $60 uh, Nerf brand. Yeah. Yep. And I know this is way off topic. There are no rails when I walk into a room. You have to understand this. The conversation will not stay anywhere near a shirt. You're, you're, you're in good company. So our loathe for poor products yes. and our love for gaming. Yeah. So that's, that's what got Nick and I talking to begin with. Because um, I, I, I'm like, okay, so I'm 42 years old. But 14-year-old Luke still lives rent-free in my head. And uh, that guy wanted to have a comic book of his own. But not only did he want that, he wanted to be able to have a, a, a role-playing game and went with it because we used to get together on Wednesdays. We would go new comic book day, and then that night uh, we would, you know, rent. We would buy these 
massive pizzas. This local uh, joint had these like triple X pizzas, triple uh, XL pizzas. And they were, you know, like, I think it was, I think 36 inches is what it was. It was like these massive boxes. And so we would buy two of those and we would eat pizza, eat Doritos, drink Mountain Dew and play and RPG, TTRPG all night long. And uh, especially during the summer, we just end up at somebody else's house every week. And one of the things that we used to do is uh, we start playing GURPS so we could do supers. And I always thought, man, it would be so awesome to be able to play characters that are in my book or to like, you know, write new characters, you know, play people would be able to play in the sandbox that's in my head for this universe. And so once I kind of got to like issue five and the pandemic hit, I said, you know, what? I've got a little extra time. Let's uh, let's try to do it. And, uh, you know, by happenstance, Nick and I got in contact with each other. And the first thing he asked me was like, so do you want to use like OGL? You want to? And I said, no, I, I want this to be from the ground up something new, you know, and it was like challenge accepted. He, he's not playing the inflection. My do you I was all prepared to talk him out of OGL originally. Is this what you want to do? Because oh, I'm taking money, and you know, m- money. I will, I will do what I need to for money. But what, what had happened is I so she said. right before the pandemic, I met an amazing author and promoter by the name of Ryan K. Morris, and uh, I will always plug that man whenever I get a chance and promote That's him. That's what he said. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, 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 I softballed that one to you because he built a group called the Rising Tide that a uh, bunch of authors and artists who build each other up, great people. But he's like. This, this guy, Luke, wants to build a game, and he'd seen my uh, tabletop tactics game, a war game, Big Snobby Robots, which I have a couple versions of, because, shockingly, I didn't like the way that Catalyst was making classic Battletech and a couple other games that I uh, play-tested for companies and stuff. I'm like, it just needs to be simple enough I can play it with my friends and play it with kids and play it with the special needs people. So I found out I was going to be a dad. I'm like, we need, we need a game I can play with myself. And... So I did that. So Luke gets out and he's talking to me. He's like, I want to do a game. I want a new, new system. Because some other people tried to use Luke to power their system, you know, when he was shopping around. But well, I have a system I've always wanted to do something with. And, you know, here. And he said he wanted his system. Cool. Okay. You're going to have to tell me about the character. You know, I need, I'm going to need to know all the background. And then he got me addicted to the best comic since Claremont uh, wrote the X-Men. I said it. I'll stand by it. Hybrids is better than just about anything being mainstream produced out there, and I keep trying to look into it on every measure. The art's better, the writing's better, the lettering's better. It just die hard, and I love this universe. So now I have this universe that I absolutely love, and I'm reading through, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I ask, you know, I, I need some reference material. He goes, "Hey, I got these cards I made. Okay, remember the Transformers? How on the back of the Transformers boxes it would have like energy ten, you know, strength three, you know, or whatever it was." So he hands me these cards with just, you know, random sides. I'm like, okay, I can build off of this. And he goes, what do you mean? I can build you a game off of the cards you had. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And I spent two weeks, about 20 hours a day. So I'm taking care of my kid because I, I homeschool and take care of my uh, autistic son. And while I was doing that, and I'm taking care of him. Anytime he's watching something, my phone, I'm typing on my phone or a tablet or on the computer. And during that time, I suffered a... Uh, I developed severe neuropathy, and my hand stopped working toward the end of it. So I literally taped permanent markers to my hands, clutched them like you know, like boxing gloves, and stabbed out the letters to get this thing done. Because I believed that much in it. Horrible pain. I, I've since then, you know, I've had three years to do physical therapy, and I'm working pretty well now. But I wanted a game that anybody could pick up and play. 
and that once I realized we're doing this for Luke, and we know a bunch of other comic book creators don't talk to Luke, maybe maybe we can port this to other people too. It's because we all as kids sat and went, Superman versus Batman, go. You know, we still, you know, Batman versus Spider-Man, go, you know? And I, I too many years of doing that, and from my background of homebrewing, I'm like, let's just set up a balance, set up a system where we can put in anybody and anybody can deal with anybody else. And it it's, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it because it makes What he essentially did, what he essentially did, sorry for interrupting you, but what, what, basically what he did is he created his own open gaming, yeah. uh, his, his own OGL um, that he calls Base Plus 2. And uh, he's like, yeah, I think the bath was right here in the cards. And he s- explained it to me, and then I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's play the game, right? And so, like, he created this base model, and then he was like, oh, well, the hybrid gene's going to plug in as a module, and we can do a fantasy module, and we can do a cyberpunk module, and we can do a this and a that. He goes, so pretty much anything you want to add into the game, uh, it, anything you want to do in the comic book, we can put to the game. Uh, the sky is the limit. And since then, he's learned just how limitless my imagination has become. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's great because one thing that, like, Watsi and a bunch of other people, they lie about how complicated the, the core math has to be when even their core math isn't that complicated. I studied statistics absentmindedly as one of the things I did in college. I hate algebra with passion, but statistics I can do with sleep. It just, statistics make sense. And once, once I got into that mentality, I'm like, okay, what's wrong with every other game I'm playing right now? It doesn't cover the right rules. It has too much junk in the crunch. And you can't pick it up, look over it, and play it. So I approach it just like I did when I wrote uh, the Big Snoppy Robots uh, game. You simplify how tight can you get the core. So powers in hybrids come from a genetic predisposition because one relative of yours involved knocking boots with a fallen angel. And that means, well, I mean, that, that's, that's you know, what it is. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, and you have a percentage of that DNA in you, and if you have enough, it can be activated and you get superpowers. But one of the first things I wanted to do is make sure, because you have read the book, and one neat thing is you don't have to have superpowers to be a capable, functional character in that universe. So after I realized I actually that, got two characters in the comic that are pretty BA, and they don't have any powers at all. One of them doesn't even have use of his legs, and he's still pretty BA. I was going to say, before we get too deep into the mechanics here, and I'm more than happy to go down that road, maybe get a little bit of background here. Just what is the kind of the world and and the base of it? You know, what is what is the hybrids world, you know, from maybe even more Luke's perspective? So uh, I'm a um, uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a pastor. Uh, Not currently not currently uh, assigned anywhere. So I'm I'm technically just a. uh, comic book artist, I guess. And that's my, that's my profession right now. But my calling has been that of a pastor. And so many years ago, I was serving in a church with a youth pastor, and I was, the, uh, I was kind of his volunteer. He was kind of mentoring me. And we would have discussions about conspiracy theories, aliens, and all kinds of stuff, and how that fits into the Bible, and how it fits into historical documents, and things that, you know, like all kinds of stuff. And we got really discussing Genesis chapter six and the sons of gods are the sons of God. And, and they, you know, saw the daughters of men and liked them and had babies. And those creatures were known as the Nephilim and they were the uh, men of renown, you know, 
and uh, what that word means, what they were really describing there, and how you know one of the things that that we that we came across was that it was those Nephilim really influenced all of the mythologies that we have in our culture. So uh, angels knocking boots with fish gave you mermaids. Basically, angelic bestiality gave you these mythical creatures, and you know, and then you've got the Greek gods and in uh, in North. North myth- uh, Norse mythology, all these things can all be traced back to, you know, this story about angels and humans having babies, you know. And so it got me thinking, you know, as we were tying all of that together in the city of Atlantis and aliens, and, you know, we had some fun conversations. One day he goes, Luke, you should make that a comic book. And I said, you know, what? I think you're right. I should. And so as I'm, I'm working through the idea, I, it took about 10 years to work through the idea to find a story within this universe that I was building, where the genetic the genetic material was left over from these Nephilim, you know. Now we we know that Joshua was uh, you know tasked with killing the last of the Nephilim kings, and in, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. But one of the things that we don't talk about is that these Nephilim probably had babies with other people, and that DNA likely got diluted throughout the generations. And the idea was, well, what if something happened one day to cause that DNA to wake up? And when that DNA wakes up, people start to get these fantastic powers like the Greek gods and, you know, these myths of old. And, you know, what if the thing that caused it to wake up was something really evil and sinister? And uh, so I just started going to write in these stories and come up with this idea. And so that's the world they live in. Uh, Angels and Demons are real, and Nephilim are real, and these are the descendants. Yeah. Because Luke wrote a great story, but he ne- he, he gets so passionate in, in the origin, he forgets how to sum it up really tight. It's very, very simple. Take take a uh, angelic, and yeah, the angelic source is there, a version of Claremont's X-Men, right? And drop them in the Resident Evil universe, where a, a vastly powerful... Incredibly influential company that you know to to do the to get the idea take take the Umbrella Corp and Cobra Industries and kind of squish them together and you start to get the kind of organization that this is yeah and it is ran by a literally diabolical figure who knows everything that's happened and knows that these stories the genetics have been kind of let loose the, the the guy behind the corporation at least in the current arc the I mean the after issue 12, you're going to find out that he was just a pawn in the whole thing, after all. He thinks he's, he thinks he's kind of the guy in charge. But, but basically, it's Azazel that's in charge of this thing, you know. And Azazel is a, uh, uh, you know, if you look historically, he's what people would think of visually when they think of Satan. And he's, uh, you know, the, the horns and the red skin and all that stuff. But he's also the one attributed with convincing the angels to have sex with women. So if you read the Book of Enoch, he's the one responsible. And he's also the one responsible for teaching humans about war and, and weapons. So no spoilers, but I will give you a hint. That motivation has something to do with what he is doing. So, yeah. So, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, that, that's basically. Yeah, it's basically the uh, X-Men. The X-Men meets uh, Cobra. <laughs> and, and the thing is, unlike even unlike the, you look at the X Men and you look at most super powered universes, 
They're about the, the people in tights and capes and all that crud. And hybrids never feels like it's about the tights and capes. It's about the interaction. And it's just as much about the mundane people in this world as it is about, you know, the people with powers. And many times they transition from being mundane, totally normal. I mean, the, the, the literal hero of Luke's main overarching thing is Clarence the Trash Man. He's literally a big garbage man. The, the, the most blue-collar, down-to-the-earth kind of character you would And when I saw that, I'm like, let's start there for the game. So what I did with the game, and that feeds into the mechanics, is I made a thing where... Okay, I'm going to put this real simple. I made a modern RPG first. And okay. I made a RPG that is better than the WotC version. I said it's better than, than uh, D20 Modern, and D20 Modern is my favorite version that actually, of any of the third edition stuff that came out from WotC. I mean, I'll, I'll be serious. Streamlined, sensible, how real people work, easy math. Got that hammered. Because once that was hammered, that is the core for um, you know, the modern version is this, is this is how guns work. This is how fighting works. Your job determines how much money you have. You know, your education and what you work give you different... Your, your skills aren't modified by, oh, we have dragon blood and all this stuff. That can come later with whoever wants to punch it in. It's skilled by, yeah, I've got more stamina than you. I've had to work overtime for so long, I know how to do it. I know how to operate tired. You're a professor. You've never had to pull a, you know, 20-hour shift running a forklift or something. And, and building from that up gives you a, a world where real people can have exciting adventures and grow like people do in completely insane situations. You know, there was something that to kind of kind of what feeds this is I think the writing of the stories to begin with. Claremont had this wonderful thing that he did when he wrote a superhero story that uh, or about when he wrote about superhumans. The super part was just kind of an addition. Yeah. The really interesting part about his storytelling and his writing was the human aspect and you know kind of the the who they were and how those personalities interacted with the world around them. And so that's what I, I wanted to do. I wanted to tell. I wasn't happy with the X-Men that I was getting. And so I wanted to write an X-Men that I was happy with. And so that that sparked this. And Nick caught on to that right away. And in fact, the quick play that he wrote to kind of introduce the, the game mechanics. Yeah, it just, um, it doesn't revolve around, it just revolves around people either ending their day or starting their day from work. And shit hits the fan. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's basically how the first issue starts out. <laughs> I was like Tremors. One of my favorite movie series ever was Tremors. You know, uh, the, the Worms, Burt Gummer, all that. And what it was, was it was people doing what they could with what they have. Uh, the, those late night, I, I love the old horror movies. Or, you know, the old sci-fis where it's just normal people trapped in a diner. And suddenly, like, chupacabras are coming through the door or whatever. And, you know, how, how do the people work with that? So, the, the, because coming into this world, you don't know anything about it. Most people in the world don't know anything about that there are angels and powers. That, that's still very hush-hush, you know. There are forces trying to keep that under wraps till it's time for it not to be. On both sides, I mean... Both sides, yeah. On both sides of the ball on, on that in the story, because it will... Once that's known, it will just mess everything up. Well, see, like, I think that brings up what to me has always kind of been, I've always looked at Super's games as being particularly challenging from a design perspective because 
what defines supers games? You you could be playing as you know Superman and the Super Friends, yeah. or you could be playing as Agents of Shield, both yeah. of which are supers, but they're vastly different. And on some level, there can be interaction there. And how do you make that work for a game where you can have all that at the table? Like I think that's literally the challenge. It's funny that you mentioned Agents of Shields Shield because that's very much the kind of benchmark feeling that I was going for. Part of it I did is I hardwired into the game a hard stop. There is a hard stop that says you can only get so much of a bonus, no matter how you get it, and still be considered a playable character. And I had to fight this real hard because I'd explain power creep is a thing. And the problem is once you get to Goku can blow up a world because he's cheesed, all sense of scope goes out the window. When you have that point established, it, it keeps it keeps the threat viable and believable. I, I don't know about you, but like whenever uh, Spider-Man is out trying to keep a bodega from being robbed or somebody from blowing up a portion of, a, of New York or whatever, these stakes are things we can wrap our mind around. As soon as it starts getting to the, it'll destroy the world, back in my mind's like, well, we know the bad guy's going to lose. Because yeah. like, they, they're not going to blow up the world in the vast majority of time. I think there's always that one. But So I start to distance myself. And as a gamer, I found my first uh, D&D book. It was the rule book from the ugly black, the world's ugliest red dragon in the new, easy-to-learn, mass, you know, quick-to-master Dungeons & Dragons, right? And it, the, just the rule book from that box alongside the road. Because I was poor. And I'm like, there's a dragon. They're cool picked this up, and I had, like, level one to five of old school. Thacko is a new optional kind of rule. All your AC is backwards. This is where I come from. And for a couple decades, I had no money, so I expanded homebrewing out of that. So I got really a, a real understanding of what happens with power creep and what happens when uh, the way threats advance, because after a while, you still all that matters is you roll a 15 to hit it. You know, you have, they have all these bonuses and they have all these bonuses. You do all this math. At the end of the day, it's, well, I need a 15 to hit that. Well, and here's, here's the thing. In the comics, I mean, let's go back to 14-year-old Luke. Yeah. You know, that guy living in my head, that kid, every time I create a character, I'm rolling a die in my head. Like, he's got to be playable. Yeah. Or she's got to be playable. You know, and, and we can't have these OP characters, right? Now, there are a few characters in my universe that we call God mode, that they're, they're, their percentage of DNA is greater than 40% uh, of angelic DNA in them. And so their power sets are next level. And that's part of the reason why they're being hunted, because they're looking for hybrids with God-mode-level power so that they can farm their abilities, basically. And so in order to you know, keep this world, I guess, realistic, <laughs> that's, not, that's not right, <laughs> but it, it, you know, in somewhat realistic. Plausible. Yeah. Good writing and good game design both have the same concept of balance. Yeah. If it's not balanced, you can't have threats. Yeah, and the stakes are high, but the stakes aren't the world yet. I mean, it gets there. I mean, ev- I mean, eventually, you know, every story evolves to that, right? And then what do you do? You have a book called Armageddon Watch where you literally destroy the world. And uh, it's written. It's being drawn. I'm sorry. But anyway, it's a lot of fun to play in this in this universe, but it's... It makes it more fun to write it 
when you say, okay, I've got this character that is, you know, here on the power scale, and then this character is here. So how is this character going to match up against that character unless they're smart, you know? And then they also have a little bit of luck involved with it. So, you know, that's really, you know, kind of where I, you know, where I write at. And uh, Nick, I think that's the thing. That's part of the reason why Nick fell in love with the story, because he's like, this is so doable as a game, too. And uh, that's why we start when he wrote the, the, the Space Plus 2. We don't start with supers, you know, and that's I think that's where the superhero genre and RPGs are, goes wrong. Like, that's the end goal. That, like, that's where they start, you know, with the supers in mind. How do I make Superman? Well, you're not going to get Superman as a playable character in this universe. It's stupid to have that. Superman's o- OP, and it's... I-, I know he's some people's favorite character, but he's a stupid character. I'm sorry. He started out really good. He could jump high, and he could run fast, right? Now he flies, and he can turn back time by flying around the Earth in reverse. I mean, I mean come on. We've gone ridiculous with him. And so the core of the rules starts with the people. And so that's where you're at. And then the, the power, you, you roll to find out if you get power and how much power you get. You know, but nobody can play a character with a greater than 40% hybrid DNA. So then am I hearing this, that this is intended for play in the, and, and I'm just drawing a Marvel or DC comparison here because it's, you know, what I have as a frame of reference, but this is intended for like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the CWDC stuff or, or not even the CWDC stuff, but like the Netflix Marvel, the Punishers, the... That's where my universe starts, yeah. It, it starts between somewhere like that, but again, if you t- it's, nor- it's the normal people in that universe. The understanding is there are things like the Avengers out there. They're very rare, you know. Thor would be about maxed out, but Thor can still be beaten by somebody smart. Yeah. You know, you could still trick Thor... There's enough of a loophole where if you did the right thing, you could trick him to believe that he's unworthy. Enough Molnir wouldn't work, so then he would come crashing down. You have a failsafe on Thor. And it's a little better than, I have a green rock that makes you weak. You know, love soups. Love what he stands for. But dude, like, I'm sorry. You, 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 need, you need to, like, hang out around Kryptonite and get used to not being superpowered at some point in your life. Everyone else handles it. But, and I'm sorry, I, I digress. I was going to say the powers in this universe are, though fantastic, they are mostly um, moderate in scope. Yeah, it, it, they're they're yeah they're plausible uses of the powers, and uh, every great power has its um, you know it has its its flaws to it. Like you know, Trash Man is probably one of the most powerful people in this universe, but uh, he has one major flaw that we don't reveal until issue nine that Nick had to know about. Yes, and I love it because. Had it told me, I would have had real problems with the character. And Luke, don't take this wrong, but without that flaw, he would have been a Mary Sue of monumental proportions. But because that flaw and how it works, it's... Okay, people think immortality is awesome. Uh, There is a book called The Mummy by Anne Rice. And he gets a kind of immortality in it that seems wonderful till you realize that because you can't die, you're still limited... He's still relatively limited to about maybe twice or three times human strength. If he goes sailing and sinks to the bottom of the ocean, he'll spend basically eternity being crushed to death. That kind of logic is in there, because when you look at an RPG and you compare it to even the fantasy RPG tropes, I've always found that the highest levels in traditional fantasy games, 
you feel the coolest, but when you pay any attention, it starts to get kind of dull. I mean, I hate to put it that way. I can, I can do a wish, and I can do all this. Unless you have a really creative brain behind how you're using high-end powers, and you have a really complex kind of thing, it starts turning into just a punch-up. You know, I'm going to hit your power with my power. And that, you know, there's very little consequence because you're not going to die. Your character's not going to die. In my universe, you know, my system, there is a, a limit of how many hit points a human body can hold. Even when you, if you max out the superhero things, there's still going to be a limit at the far end. Now, is it outrageous beyond normal? Sure. But there's a hard line limit. And by working with that, we came up with two systems for superpowers. So what you do, let me, let me rewind. You set up your character, you pick what job they work. So you get a character. I'll give you a hint. The system is called base plus two. Want to get what your stats are? <laughs> you have uh, six stats, and then you all start with a base plus two bonus. So whatever you're doing, get, get plus two to it. And yes, that, on that end, is super compared to reality. But that's fine. You want to have fun. And you want it to be a bit easier than the real world. And then you get skills, you get jobs, you, you do things. I encourage GMs to, okay, if you are using, if somebody's constantly doing evasive driving, give them a bonus to evasive driving. You don't get it through, well, I'm going to min-max my character, and I'm going to pre-program to hit this. You do it by playing your character, and you get rewarded for what your character actually does. Yeah, it gives the GM power to help customize your character you know, based on your gameplay. So it puts a lot of power in the session. There's a ton of power in the session. There's the rule of cool. So like, okay, the, the, the GM can decide, you know, yeah, yeah, that probably shouldn't happen. But man, it'd be really cool if it did. And you can make that decision, you know? And so it's not, it's, it's not supposed to be a rules-heavy kind of game. With every great power that we add, there's usually a kind of a, a qualifier. Like with Trashman's power, for instance, he's got a battery and an internal battery. He does not take hit points. Hit points that he would take store up the battery. But he must release that battery before it gets full. If it gets full, he has like two rounds to eject or to, 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 to uh, uh, use the power in the battery. Or else he has a radial explosion, which causes hit point damage to anyone around him within a certain se uh, sector. And then he's out, he's out for three rounds because it, it knocks him unconscious. So, so here's this god mode character, but he's got to be very strategic on how he uses his power or else he could find himself in a, in a screwed up situation, right? So we kind of do things like that. For mundane things, I don't do randomized damage. I have fixed damage for all the weapons use, environmental damage, things like that. It is a fixed number. You could play... Without, without getting into the powers. Now, once you get into superpowers, then your abilities are a little more randomized. But a gun is going to shoot for gun damage, you know, by, by the mm -hmm. different type. You'll be able to track that. Shockingly, a gun, most guns can very nearly kill somebody, you know, because I want... It happens that way. When you're a little squishy in game, it matters more. If you think about when you've played long campaigns, and this is why people love things like Call of Cthulhu, you know, there are consequences for your actions, so you have to play a little smart. You know, you have to stop and go, okay, if I do this, this will happen. I'll, I'll pull a vampire thing and say, you can only soak so much damage. Yeah, everybody's a little squishy. I mean, again, as, as I'm writing, 
the super part is great, but it's the human part that matters in the story writing and the storytelling. And so the same applies to gameplay. The super part is fun, but really it's the human part that is the focus of most of the game. And it's the story because no one wants to be sitting there, you know, doing, you know, scientific equations to figure out if they can open a Coke bottle. So is is kind of the thrust of the game then from what I'm hearing. It's it's not so much about big splash page action so much as how these individuals either with or without powers interact with the things that happen because of those powers being present in the world. Yes. Exactly. That's much that's very much the angle it goes for. It is very different from a lot of games because a lot of games are simply power fantasies. They're just I want to go do this awesome thing. And my problem was I looked at it and I realized how much of that was flavor and how much of it, it, it started to disassociate. So when you look at, I'll bash on D&D a bit, the power set of your average uh, adventurer and the money they have access to, if you have any idea of world balance, is enough to destroy the whole balance of every NPC. I literally just coming into a small town with that much gold with their, their, their finances It's like uh, there was an African king, I can't remember his name, he came up to Egypt and he literally broke the economy in ancient Egypt because he brought so much gold with him that he was just throwing it around because he didn't care. Mm -hmm. Well, I've said that for a while, and Steve heard me say it. I think, you know, that's one of my complaints with the design of, you know, be it 5th edition, even 3.5. Once you get to about 5th level, what's to stop this adventuring party from just stopping and saying, okay, it's our town, we're staying here? The only thing is right. most people don't have the good sense to do it. I remember looking at the cost of a dagger, of a silver dagger, and going, it's 25 gold for a silver dagger. What are you doing? Well, I, 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 you know, I'm going to go to this blacksmith, and I'm going to hand him a pile of silver coins and say, melt that into a spike for me. <laughs> and, well, you can't do that. Why not? I, I will never forget sitting in a, a uh, it was a, 3.5, when they were doing the redo edition, I was playing a gnome, and he kept getting swallowed in this mass-marketed adventure, and he couldn't draw his weapon. He was a ranger. And I said, I want, I don't have a dagger. No. I want, I'm out, I want to sharpen a stick and put it in my belt. Well, why? So that if I get swallowed again, I can poke something. <laughs> because this dude, literally, every encounter would be swallowed on the first encounter. Something would work, bolt, uh, some snake man, whatever. And I watched the, this guy who had been bragging about, I've learned the system inside and out. Well, well, well you're crafting things, and you don't have a, a, a thing. And, you know, you're, you're, you're not a carpenter. I'm not making a pointy stick. I, I don't even know how much damage it would do. You do pointy stick, even one, to say it does one damage and move. And I watched, like, DM. a carpenter to make a pointy stick. Yeah, like, literally, I watched DM.exe crash on the sky. I was I was making pointy sticks when I was five. Right. I don't blame him. Of course, I'm expert level at pointy sticks now. I blame the system designers for making it so complex that it couldn't process the simple crafting of a pointy stick. And so that sat in the back of my mind. Like I have the system, the base plus two system. I, I have actually licensed. I did a licensed game design for a gentleman I know named Jody McPhee. I don't know what he'll do with the version I made him, but I just did the math and set things up. He had an all-female wrestling league, super-powered female wrestling league. I made a drop, a variant of this that was a drop-and-go wrestle simulator. So if you're going by wrestling rules, here's this, here's how the powers work in their universe. 
bam, 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 good to go. And it worked. You couldn't get farther from the complexities and glory that is hybrids, you know, as a all yeah. wrestling, you know. Yeah, they're night and day, but the same base system works. So his characters can come in this universe and play. My characters can go in his universe and play. And it's like, here, this is how this would work. And I had to fight tooth and nail to put that end cap. Let's talk about gameplay for a second, though, okay? So here's the deal with a lot of gameplay. There's a lot of pay-to-play kind of games out there, and it's all like, you know, just, you know, how can you get the most powerful this or whatever? And those games get boring really quick for me. I like strategic play. I like to have to use my brain. I like puzzles. I don't care for the, okay, now you're level 25, so you can beat everybody. You know, I don't really care for that kind of stuff. That's what I like about Overwatch. I love the game Overwatch because there's no level up. You've got your you've got your your abilities for your character, and then you just got to figure out how to beat the person that's holding the controller on the other end. It's your wits versus their wits. You know, it's your ability to play your character better than their character. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Your team's ability versus their team's ability, and that's what I I I didn't want. And one of the things I told Nick is that I don't want to get this crazy like level up system to where, you know, people are maxing out these characters at a level 100 or whatever, you know. And I, I just kind of want people to be able to have their character and play their character and they can improve over time. But it's not like, oh, I need this many XP points because that's what happens with, with World of Warcraft. I used to, I was a big WoW fan. I played it all the time. And then it got to the point to where kind of once you've, once you've ranked in PvP, it's just not, you know, it's like, eh. And I would get, I would just have to do my dailies. And it became a job. It wasn't fun anymore. So what did I do? I deleted my account. That's the trick. You play the game, you level up, and then I guess I start over. I have to abandon this character and do another one. And I'll min-max him to be most optimized, blah, 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 blah. And one thing I love with what we set up with the, the powers themselves, you build a character to be whoever you want them to be. And I mean, when, when you talk jobs that people have... I'll give some game spoilers here. You know, the, the yeah. skills you get uh, come from the job. So let's say your job, let me get, get scroll down to, uh, you're a cop. Let's just say cop. That's a great job for an adventurer. You get a bonus to uh, investigate. So you get plus one to investigate. That goes to your your intelligence score. Okay. And anything, anything you can convince the DM is involved, the uh, GM. I'm trying to break myself. Years of indoctrination. I'm trying to break. You know, D and D does not equal RPG. It's just it, it's 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 a battle. But um, you know, you get that, and maybe over time, so you get a stamina bonus because you've been up late working. You know, doing stakeouts and stuff, and then you get some equipment, and you're good to go. And that's you know, I, I'm big on the what is your your character's EDC. You know, everyday equipment. You know, everyday carry. You know, and I do it by job. So the, your starting equipment. If you're a blue collar worker, you've got a cell phone. You've got a pocket knife of some sort, maybe a wrench or something, and what you know, whatever's in your your pocket at the time. It's not, uh, it's not excessive. Like Clarence, he's he's a trash man. When crap hit the fan for him, he had his uniform on. That's it. He had to go back to his apartment to grab some stuff. And the dude is seven foot one, and he weighs like six hundred pounds, solid muscle, right? So. Clothes are hard for him to find. And so he just had to grab a hoodie and go. Like, he didn't have, you know, and then he gets accosted at his apartment. 
And I was like, oh, how'd they find me? No collar worker had access to 100 bucks. He had the overtime bonus, so a plus one to his stamina and uh, agility because for, for uh, operating equipment. He knew how to steer heavy equipment. Working around truck, trucks. Pocket knife, damage one in his pocket, and a cell phone. Now, cell phones are amazingly. This is one of the most versatile things in any universe they exist. <laughs> People lose sight of that. But how smart you are about how you use this as, as a player. Cell phone in the, hand of a, in the hands of a hacker? Forget it. Right. But, I mean, cell phone even, in the hands of a politician. Do you <laughs> what the World War II generals would have given to have access to period Google Maps? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Oh, they, yeah. A little bit of, 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 you know, even logic. You could look at a situation that would be very complex and make it, you can, you can play smart. But that's not a superpower, and that's not handed to you like this, 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 and this. It's a, here's your cell phone. Are you smart enough to use it well? And that, 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 that feeling is, is ingrained in it. For example, there is a bit of a puzzle, a very simple puzzle in the quick play where the players are fleeing from some nightmarish dudes and dudes with, with space-looking machine guns, and they're running through the woods, and they find a trail that ha that's been fenced off. There's a fence with a lock on it, and you know, it's, it's, you're higher, so it's a bit of a fall on the other side, and a little storage shed. They could, they could climb the fence. They could break into the short storage shed and find things that are useful for getting into that lock. They can set fire to things. There's a lot of ways to solve it. It's never, there are, you are in a stone room. There are three levers. Only pressing the right lever in the right order. You know, that's not flexible. I'm a big Larry Korea fan, Monster Hunters Inc. You want flexible minds. So I built this game from the perspective of, let's let, let's let the players solve the problem, not the powers solve the problem. Because when all you, when you have like, super, okay, I have a superpower, I can, you know, project a fireball. I'm going to try to solve every problem. You know, every problem is going to start looking like a flammable haystack, you know, because all I have is a hammer. And I want to avoid that because part of what I've done with role-playing, because I do a different system I have it published where I, I use it to teach people situational awareness. I work with rape and abuse survivors and I teach Western martial arts. And then as a side, I do things to teach them situational awareness as a way of keeping them safe. Being squishy in real life can keep your 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 uh, mind flexible to solve and prevent problems before they happen. Building that mentality into a game is not just going to make the game more challenging and interesting. Because yeah, at any point you could. I need to get over that fence. I'll just climb the fence, risk taking the fall damage, and go bypass anything useful you would find. You know. Well, I should say it sounds like what you've gone for here is, and and this is something I I refer to this a lot anymore. Because I heard, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, WebDM, the YouTube channel, yeah. but I heard an interview that uh, Jim from there did with another podcaster that I'm friends with, and they were talking about, specifically about 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons, and Jim said the thing about it is, and what he tries to teach people to play either that or any other game, is to play the world, not the numbers on your character sheet. Yes, exactly. And that sounds like, what you're really trying to build into this and to reward players for not looking and going, what power do I have and how can I use it? But more, I want to try doing this. How can I make the things here help me do it? Issue five of hybrids, they are attempting a rescue mission. And 
they could easily get in the front door by using Trash Man. But they, they bench him, and he's their exit strategy. Because they know that, well, in because Rev has no powers. He's a f- disgraced pastor who is sharp. Is, he's sharp as a tack. This guy is clever. And, um, you know, he, he, so he, he decides to bench Trash Man as their exit strategy in case they can't get out. And they decide to go in like a scalpel to make, make it quick. But they do, but they, they use the strategy of, well, let's blow a hole in the front door and we'll go in the back door. Because if you blow a hole in the front door, they're going to put all of their focus on that, thinking that's where the assault's coming from, while we sneak in, get what we need to get and get out, right? And so it's strategy, it's strategic, and they encounter Azazel at the end of this, and they, they have to sucker punch Azazel. And the one critique that I got from everyone was like, well, when you finally reveal who this bad guy is, because this was the, the reveal of who the antagonist truly was, and they're like, well, you reveal this, and, and it just felt like it was anticlimactic. I said, no, you, underst- you don't understand. They, it had to be. They had to get out quick, because if they had gone toe-to-toe with this guy, they would have all died. Well, fast forward to issue nine. If you haven't read it, you should get it. If you're disappointed by their encounter with issue five, you will still be disappointed by their encounter with issue nine, but for a completely different reason. Yeah. So the nice thing about Azazel, God, I can't believe I said that line out loud. The nice thing about Azazel. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable here because I really hate that he used biblically like mythological names. Anyway, the nice thing about Big A, because I almost never say his name, is he thinks in like an evil version of how I do as a as a game designer or a GM. He actually calls himself the game master. He does, and that's what's great about him. If you think something about him, that's because he wants you to think something about him. And if you won, it's either did you won or you win. You okay? You got that one, but I have a contingency. Ironically, Big A is closest to Batman in his operation as he is to any other character, and I live for. Batman done right. Not the, I have a contingency for that. If you're going to do that, show him setting up contingencies a few issues earlier. You know, that show don't tell kind of thing. Don't pull the contingency out of your derriere. At least give a a thread, a hint that this has been going on. And dang, if every turn that you walk into that Luke talks about, every hook he puts in his plot, if you go back a couple issues Knowing that that's coming and rereading it, you will see the Easter eggs and the breadcrumbs that are there. And that, that to me, felt, again, it sounds silly, but it felt like good game narrative. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at like you're writing a module, it's the same kind of process, but you want, you want a connection that goes backwards and forwards. So that when the players are thinking about what happened later, it's like, why did we see that? Or, ha ha! Yeah, so basically what we, what we did is Nick actually, you know, kind of seeing this world, he built a game... And a core that could be used with any plugin, but it, it's it's for the clever game master. That's who it's for. It's for the player and and the group of players that want to have fun, want to be challenged on how clever they are. They want to blow things up and punch things really hard too. They want a little. They want a bit of that, but they don't want to have to spend a lot of time learning the rules. So it's rules light. It's story heavy and it's action. Galore. I mean, it's fun. It is fun. That treats the DM like a player, not a console. 
Yeah. A DM okay. is not just to do math. If it was just to do math, we could be replaced by the AIs that uh, uh, some companies would like to replace. It's them. happening. Yeah, they're already doing that. But um, th- it needs to be. Th- there's the puzzle, and how am I making this puzzle and balancing it so that the lethality is still present? I-, I want I want my players to be able to win, but not assured to, win. because I am totally comfortable killing your character. <laughs> Eddie Munson was a great DM, not because he was good at the math but because he got the players engaged in the story. And that's what it's all about. We want the DM to be the storyteller here. And they're formulating and crafting the world like a showrunner does, like I do. And then as I'm writing these characters, I kind of know how the characters are going to respond. So I write them in their voice and their action. But as as the GM, your players write themselves for you. And then you get to play as the GM because... Now you get to you get to tiptoe and you get to dance and you get to react to what the players are trying to do. And everyone's walking away from the experience with a smile on their face and they're excited about being able to play this, even if your character takes some lumps. Because you know what? Here's the thing about the hybrid universe. You can take some lumps and there's a good chance you're still going to get back up because the tenacity of the human spirit outweighs any superpower that anybody could ever get. I'm living proof of that, right? So yeah. That's in our game. I, I'm so excited about it. I've been quiet a lot of this time, but man, you guys have no idea how absolutely passionate I am about the hybrid universe and about this game and the fact that now people can read the comic, they can play the game, and some of the characters in the comic come in in the quick play, and there's that interaction. We did a live play, a stream, and at the end, people had already read hybrids, and they play this game, and at the end, we introduce... So they're fighting one of the baddies, okay? And they know it's one of the baddies, and they realize that we're probably not cut out to fight this guy. But at the end, Nick introduces... Okay, I'm just going to say, tra- you know, our, our core team... A spoiler. The quick play's been out for quite some time. You can, you can say what happens. They, they, they pop in. And so here at this, as these, as these characters from the comic pop in, the people in the room are like, oh, that's trash, man! And they were freaking out. They were excited about the fact that these were characters that they knew. And they saw chlorine. And they saw bone. And and all of this stuff was happening. And they realized that, oh, that thing that happened earlier, that was Link talking to us and this. And it was to see them get excited about, I read a comic book. You know, I've got, I, I, I read this book here. You know, I read this. And I got a hold of it. And then I played that game. And the two of them seamlessly intertwine with each other so much so that characters that nick wrote for the quick play are introduced in issue six seven and eight because we're tying the two worlds together so it's something that we it is for the person that just wants to enjoy uh some real escapism life sucks the news sucks i don't need to be reminded again about how crappy twitter is i don't need to be reminded about how poor and how broke i am and how sick I am. I want to be able to ignore that stuff like I was in my early 20s when I used to just to get together, you know, in my teens and early 20s, getting together with my friends, playing some some GameCube, dating myself, playing some GameCube, eating a bunch of pizza and a bunch of junk food, and just playing role-playing games, rolling my dice, and just getting excited about that and forgetting all my troubles. The, the hybrid universe is not... One thing I love about it is you read... Marvel, you read DC, and it's up on this hill. You know what I mean? 
the, the readers have no impact. The, you know, we what, what we talk about or do will never reach the exalted high powers of the House of Mouse. It just won't happen. But when uh, you read something like Hybrids and you talk to Luke and, you know, things are floating around, you might just accidentally inspire something. And one thing that's really neat, because I wrote... I wrote the, the, the core book, and I populated it, and I went, these are the characters I have, and I checked with them, you mind if I put some NPCs in? Because I know some of the things that he's wanted to do with the storyline, and maybe how to do it, and I've spent a lot of time mentally in that universe, so I'm like, what other things would pop up? So I started writing out NPCs, like, you know, we're going to have this, this is the, not, you know, just because there is an evil corporation led by a demon and all this stuff doesn't mean it's the only evil corporation in the world. Doesn't mean it's the only threat in the world. It's because the mouse exists doesn't mean that Bezos isn't real too. Exactly. Just saying. Just so, saying. So, um, like, I will let you know there. When, when you go to get your inventory items, they have a little uh, asterisk for the items you couldn't find at your local mall mart. M a h l m a r t. You know, it's a it's a it's a big box store owned by Martin Mall. Your Walmart has these items, and then these items you could get. You'd have to get from like, you know, ooh, it's a government item or you know something shady like that. So, how would somebody who's running a multi-billion-dollar shopping center thing handle finding out? Wow, there's superpowers in this world, and there's super tech. How can I profit from this? So now you have, and I, I just threw that in there, like, like really, Nick? You did this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we need that, and you know. Some fun with it now. Like drug dealers, and then we have drug dealers because you got to figure if, if you're chasing the tech, the, the tech always tries to match magic in my unit, my, my mind. Even when I do fantasy, I see technology and magic as these two sources that are uh, friction. Always, you know, for anything magic can do, tech's trying to find a way to equalize it out because magic is almost always a force of elitism. You know, those are the wizards, or those are the sorcerers. They have the same, you know, the superpower blood. So in this universe, the superpowers are out there. There's going to be somebody like, you know, the, the version of Tony Stark going, no, no, they're dudes who can throw cars around. We need to figure out something to match up with this, you know? And so I started writing these little side things. And ta- I talked to them, and they're starting to pop up. It's like, I can see where the crumbs are being laid in the comics, you know, you might see a, a Walmart bag in the background of something or a, a little reference that, that means nothing. It looks like it's an object on a desk and you realize, oh, wait, that's it's part of the RPG world. That's part of the RPG. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, it's because we want to make something that you can live in, you know, that you can have fun. In. It's, it's clear that the two of you are really passionate about this and it sounds really cool. Now, if you want to just take a minute, like what? type of resolution mechanic are you using in this? You're talking about base plus two, base plus two. Um, it, it's real simple. It, it, it's to someone who's played OGL games and stuff, it will look very similar on the outside for resolution. You have target difficulties for any given problem. You need a score of whatever to do it. Right? From easy to uh, I believe empowered is the highest on. and you know, it's you know, five for an easy student. And you're still using a d20, but instead of having arbitrary, well, you have to roll a die to make a thing, to find out if you have enough, to get a, to find out what your bonus is. It's like every human who reaches adulthood for their basic stats has a bonus of plus two. And then whatever skills or situational modifiers they get, 
are added, and then you just see if it hits that. Okay. You don't have to roll dexterity to open a door. Yeah. And, and, you know, or something like that, you know. Now, if it's a more complicated task, it's got a higher target difficulty that you've got to hit. So, yeah, so the resolution, it's, it's, it, it's very similar. Okay, so I don't do game speak. I'm just a, I'm a comic book nerd. I'm an ink slinger, okay? And so it's a lot like OGL or old school D&D. You use a lot, you use a lot of D20 as your, as your resolution. It's, it's basically, it's like, I want to do that. Okay, well, that's a more difficult task. So it's going to take, you've got a role to be able to do this and you're going to use this as your modifier to do that since you have this skill already. So okay. it, if you want to be able to pick that lock, it just so happens you're a thief. So that's going to be a plus to this. On top of what you've already got, you got to roll this. The target difficulty is this, so you've got to roll, you know, let's say a twelve, you know, to be able to get over over the target's difficulty to be able to get there. And of course, if you're rolling at twenty, you got to worry about it. And um, now the fun part is, Nixie's even worked into where like DMs can give or GMs, I'm sorry, GMs can give you a, a like you can get a negative modifier. Yeah. It's like you screw up so much, you're so clumsy that you have a negative two to any dexterity roll that you have. Just because you just keep screwing up. <laughs> there are systems like that, but one thing I try to do is I have like a hard number on skill checks because there have to be some things that no matter what you roll, you're not going to be able to do as a normal person. And I also encourage the, the GM to be able to say, no, the reason you can't roll for that is because you can't do it. And I say that because I am so tired of the, I'm going to seduce the king and, you know, I've got a high charisma. Give me the kingdom. You can try, and what, the best thing you'll have is the king doesn't kill you for trying to take his kingdom. You know, <laughs> and I know for some people that breaks some of the fun. But I think dialing it back on some of these extremes so that you have more fun with everything else. This is meant to. This is not meant to be a high fantasy engine. Even if there are superpowers, I am planning a fantasy version of this. But I want to keep, like I said, I want to keep the sense of lethality. I want to keep the sense of actions have consequences, both positive and negative. So, because there are too many, uh, too many RPGs run and play like it's a video game. Kick down the door, kill everything, get your stuff, go. I'm a circle. Eroy Jake. And, and you know, then just keep going. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are a lot of games out there that can do that. So why make another one? There has to be a point for making the, the game, other than I want to make money, and I don't want Watsy to get more money. You know, it's it's got to be so you have you have to be putting something into it. Yeah, we've talked about the hybrids fan side of this. Now the other side of this coin is that the game itself is fun and interesting. So whether you're a fan of the comic or not, you can start playing the game and enjoy the universe. So it's another way and another gate another gate into the universe, but through very fun and interesting gameplay. So it's it's you don't even have to like comic books to like it. With, with what's going into, because this is a flagship core, that's why it's a core rule book. You know, with this, if you decided, I don't necessarily want to do the superhero side, but I want to run a leverage-style heist, you have that full tool set in here. Right there for you. If cool. you want powers involved, cool. If you don't, cool. You may roll a character and decide that you don't want them to be superpowered at all. You, you can elect yeah. not. You can elect to randomly generate your entire superpower set, which would be or in line with the lore, or there's a, okay, here's here's a middle-of-the-road, you get these superpowers. But it's not going to ever hit min-max. You might want to make Jason Bourne, or you might want to make Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> you know? And you can still play those characters in this universe. 
and have a lot of fun, you know, because there's a place for both of those kind of it's, you know, in every human interaction is a place for someone. Well, it sounds like part of what I'm, I'm hearing you say is that it's designed so that powers don't make a character hyper competent. They don't. That's exactly I, all the powers are, are cored around. Uh, and we should get into that more because I've, I've gone to the core of it, not enough the, the hybrids power set. It affects, well, it affects the primary stat, so if, you know, you're looking at, you get a certain power set, and it will boost your intelligence. And you have intelligence grades, but none of it gives, no power arrangement gives you superpower to everything. So you're never going to have more than about two stats at truly ridiculous levels. From a real-world perspective, I built a lot of Mary Sue prevention into this. I built a lot of min-max prevention into this. So you get your powers, it's tied to, uh, you get something that's active and something that's passive, assuming you have enough for it. A passive ability is always turned on. That's like a trash man's buff battery. He will not take damage as damage. It's always there. His strength is always very high. But he also has an energy projection ability, and that costs power points. You get so many power points that you're assigned, and they those are basically like spell slots per day. But you only have a few. So you have to be tactical with it. My background coming into RPG, RPG design is from tactics gaming. It's from things like Battletech and more time and things like that. So we, again, where power balance and functionality and cost all kind of rattle together. So I wanted to keep that sense of uh, you're never bulletproof. Like you might be bulletproof, but you can still drown, you know? There's mm -hmm. never have that high level D and D where what's the point? You could, you have enough hit points where you can step out and get hit with a killer missile and be like, well, okay. But yeah, maybe we can get a once it's finalized, looking pretty, we can get a PDF sent to you guys so that you guys can see. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, because it sounds like you, like I get what you're going for, and it sounds really cool in that regard. But it's you know having seen the number of game systems that. Well, that I own, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, okay, I get what you're trying to do, but like some of it, it's hard to tell because it sounds like you're going for, you know, like Luke said, narrative heavy rules light, but that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. That's a case where Luke is using terms as best he can. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's built around the narrative and the rules are simple. That There's a difference between simple and a light, if that makes any sense. No, I no yeah, you. no, I, I see where you're coming from. I put a lot of, as much thought as you hear me talk about how the players, I've had to put that much thought into the design where everything has a balance and a function. So you don't have to do a lot of math because a lot of my, my goal was when I wrote this was to make a game that the DM, the GM could run and you could take the brain power you would go to running the okay, add this, carry this buff, do this, and put it to, okay, I can be smarter with how it's applied, how the characters are going to act, eventually, you know, encourage good level design, you know, things like that. This is meant to be, this is putting a much bigger engine in this car that is hybrids than it really needed so that it would ever, you know, a bigger processor in the computer. It's meant to be a very... The game is set to do the work for you on setup so that when you're playing, you can worry about scenario. Does that address the concern? 
No, no, no. Yeah, that wasn't a concern. It was just, you know, like, again, like I've seen, you know, like different games do things different way. You know, there's a, a really neat, I'll call it an old Warhammer fantasy hack yeah, called Warlock, where the guy literally took and inverted the D100 mechanic and made it a D20 rollover system, but it still works as a percentile because your target number is always 20. Right. What I did when I came down to where it ended up, I want so many people's background is with, frankly, Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. that I wanted the player to look at it and go, oh, this is going to play like D&D, and it's going to feel like D&D for ease of use, but it's functioning in the background much better. So, and like I said, with, with Luke's module, with the hybrids module attached to the base plus two engine, the first step was the base plus two had to be solid. Because, you know, when I started working on it, I realized it had the potential to be this powerful TTRPG processor. And then with Luke, it was, how do you want your power set to work? And then it was almost like I was licensing it in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we worked with it, and there were compromises to get the powers to feel how he wanted them to feel. And it took a lot, because in the middle of it, he decided to take a nap and go die on me, and then come back and make things very complicated. But so there was some there was some rehashing as memory was spread around. But the games, he, what would happen is he would ask me this question. He'd get hung up on a question, and he'd message me at whatever o'clock at night, and I'd come out blurry-eyed, turn on the computer, go, hold on, what are you looking for? Scroll down to the next paragraph. And I, we must have had a dozen of these questions where I'm trying to learn this game. Well, I don't understand what's this, but literally the next paragraph, the next page, you, it, it's answered. You just you have, just just keep reading, <laughs> because he would he was worried about it not being plug and play for people who'd never game. Mm-hmm. Because when you hear me talk about it, it sounds complex, but it's complex because it's complex in the way chess is complex. You know, there are only a set amount of moves and very limited rules. It's how you play the game that makes it more, mm-hmm. and that what I feel is the longevity in gaming. And it's longevity in a system, it's longevity in an experience. I do admit, I see leveling up personally in gaming as a trap. Because when, when you're playing the game, there, there are two uh, goals most people have. When they're all role-playing, I want to level and I want to solve the scenario. And the problem I've found is most modern gaming is so much about, no, I want to make numbers bigger. There's certainly an element of that. That it's it's a, it's an experience that I find different because when you are playing like again so basic expert champion that crowd you're starting at basic you're going to have a substantial amount of time before you level up especially at level one you have to earn that and at the whole time you're squishy so you're paying attention every conflict could be the character's last and that there's there's that sense of uh, consequence so so you end up more engaged. And if you listen to people tell their no stuff there I was in game stories, they split to the low to mid-level stuff. They either did something really smart, like we were fighting this dragon, and I didn't even mean to be there, but we dropped, you know, the ceiling, the cave ceiling on its head, and somebody got lucky and it killed it. Or, you know, I had to sneak around and be real smart and do all this. And then the others as well, I was a level 16 so-and-so, so I used this ability to stack into this ability. And it's like, I play magic. I know what a combo looks like. Those are two different games. And I, I've found with most people I've talked to in 30 years of running games, the guys come back to they just want the fun of being someone and doing something. And it's like, we don't know why it stops being as fun. 
And it stops being as fun when there's no threat. And it stops being as fun when you're not you're not using your intelligence and your situation, your tool set to solve the problem. You're using power A, B, and C, running it as a macro. That's when it turns into a video game. So big part of what I did is just figure out about where that line is statistically and say, we're not even going there. Now, if we want to go there on a later expansion or something, it can be done. But I, you know, I know this will be a, a fun and uh, actually interactive analog experience. Cool. And, and, and I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about the players. I've, I've run games for people who have physical limitations. And if you've, ever, if you've ever ran a game for somebody who's been in a wheelchair their whole life, their scale of what is heroic in game, a lot of times is, you don't get it, my guy was running across the battlefield doing X, Y, and Z. And if you listen to them, it wasn't, you know, whatever power their paladin finally manifested, it was they were running across the battlefield. Mm -hmm. That gives a sense of power to the player and to the experience of being someone else for a little while. And if I want... If I want to be, you know, keeping track of my damage per second and, you know, how all my resistances and all this and, and all this minutia, I'd literally go in and I'd fire up a, my Xbox and I'd play Skyrim, you know? Mm -hmm. I'd Warcraft, I'd do something like that. But when I'm role-playing, I'm being somebody. So being the character is, is a whole different thing. And it seems to be completely lost outside of the stats in most stuff. I mean, that's why, you know, ideas like alignment they don't like. In hybrids, for example, there is a stat for, there's a system in there for playing to your characters, you know, your merits and your flaws. And you get, the, the, uh, the GM is supposed to reward your character when they're trying to grow as their character. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, it, I will admit it is inherently built to lean towards, more towards playing the good guy. I will definitely admit that. And that's not a popular thing these days. You know, you could be edgy and still be a good guy, but you're less likely to get the full-on Deadpool in the system than, you know, somebody who's more, uh, oh, Agent Coulson's morality. Because Agent Coulson will drop a body in a heartbeat because it's necessary, but he doesn't want to. And, and, and balancing out his, you know, it, for his arc, you know, if I were putting him in game, balancing out his uh, loyalty to S.H.I.E.L.D. versus his desire to know the truth especially for like season one, would be two conflicting things. And how the player did that would be uh, rewarded by which side leaned into. But I'm not going to put in the minutia in the game. Well, if your character is very loyal, I, I give enough of a framework so that the GM can look at the, the character concept and go, okay, so you want this character to be this way. All right. And if your character is a ruthless character and you suddenly start playing him out of context... You might not get the bonuses you would expect, but you might get something else. And by letting that, there's a place to be codified and a place to be loose, to, to encourage the GM to pay. Well, how many times, when you've run games, how many times have you run a scenario, and at the end of it, you realize you can barely remember what happened because you were so busy tracking the scenario, and it almost doesn't matter what the players were doing, you know? See, I've kind of gotten to a point where my gm philosophy and steve and i joke about this is i plan in bullet points and i'm always ready to put them in a different gun exactly no, beautiful Be and that is exactly the kind of mentality that um i i think long term the forever dms the forever gms end up there because that's the only way to keep the game sustainable you know you stay flexible every the, the primary goal is to have fun and you know you you move stuff around 
you don't have to railroad when you realize, oh, they're going the wrong direction to get to, you know, the encounter I wanted. I'll just move the encounter over there. You know, I don't have to strong arm them. I can just be like, uh, no. It's written on graph paper, not set in stone. And I find a lot of modern games talk down to the GMs. And I think that that's not, it's not fair. They either talk down or they're not treated as value. Their experience is not treated as valuable as the player experience. And so I look at this a lot from the, from, from having a lot, I've had good GMs and I've had horrific GMs. If the GM's having fun, the players will have fun. Because most of the time, players are easy to, to. If they can kill stuff, maybe get something shiny, either it's a shiny new secret if it's the right kind of game, or it's a shiny new toy, or it's a shiny weapon, you know, they've got their dopamine. Depending, again, depending on the group. Because you could run the hybrids thing as simple as you want. I could take this and say, okay, kids, because I, I, I run a monthly game at the local library, and I run it for kids from literally ages 6 to 16, all in a group, and I have to keep them all vaguely interested in the same thing. So the game shifts as we're playing, where you, your goal is to hit the bad guy with the, the axe. Here's your gold coin. Yay! I hit the bad guy with the axe. He died. I got a gold coin. Look, it's happy. I did something. Now, the 16-year-old, now here's what's happening. You've turned out that, that the person who sent you here was actually an agent for Lord Saul's hair, and that you've been wiping out his opponents. How do you want to handle this? Oh. And, and by, by keeping parallel levels of content, you can shift the play experience to hit whoever's coming through. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, I'm really curious to see this, you know, in a little bit more advanced form to kind of get a, a better feel for it. Cause I like a lot of what you're saying about, you know, how it's, you know, just the, the things you've tried to design into it. And I know we could keep going forever and ever here, but given, you know, the realities of life and I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I this. Uh, I'm passionate about gaming. Oh, I can tell. Great, you know, great world building and such. So if you could, I know Luke had to step away. Um, do you have some links or something where people can find more about what you're working on, his comics? I know he sent me some stuff in Messenger, but... The best place to go for for that is LukeStoneStudios.com is his main site. There is a hybrids uh, RPG Facebook group that okay. right now is... It, it, it's a public group. It's a little uh, it's a little quiet right now because of you know, the scheduling and stuff. And you can, the best way to find out about mechanics or anything, I'm on Twitter, at ntalker. You can find me on Twitter. Just fire, fire me off a message. I'll send you any links I can. You can, you can still buy the, uh, the quick play through lukestonestudios.com. And right now we're, we're a little nebulous on the crowdfunding situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find, most of my links are at uh, nicholastalkert.com. Okay. The other games I've done, at least the tactics games, are all available through Amazon. Okay. Because uh, I've done a couple RPGs in in development, but I never overtly published them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also done a design for a gentleman by the name of Telepathic Bunny, combined with a fellow by the name of uh, Buddy Lord. I did a whole different RPG-style system, completely from the ground up, radically different uh, mechanics. Called Writer's Rule, and that should—I don't know when that's coming out. I spent—I spent 2022 in the back of people's, you know, chats, going, "Okay, you want this to do this?" Because I'm—I I joke, I am a game mechanic. My job <laughs> is to 
fix the engine for the game, make it go, you guys make it pretty, and run with it. That That's what I do. So it's very rare for me when it's game time to be this far forward in the process. Because usually, my job, the vast majority of time, is to make other people look good, you know? Because people see, they see the paint and they see the body on the car. And they, you know, that's what's going to draw them in. And what, what they feel in the handling and the power is what will, uh, no, keep them driving the car and buy the car. Mm-hmm. I kind of look at it prioritize. You know, get the shiny, pretty people in. Let let them do the stuff. So it's rare that I get out of my little cave and like, yes, put the numbers down and the dice down and percentages and all this and go, hi, let's talk about this. <laughs> so I might be a bit much. I apologize if I have uh, overstepped. Oh, no. Just like I said, I was just curious, you know, like I said, and like to, for listeners out there, if they want to check anything out, you know, where they can find, you know, Luke's work, your work, etc. Um, anything else in particular, you know, you'd like to plug on either your behalf before we get into the game of the week? Okay. Um, since I am here and I can plug things, I have a book series on how to learn to sword fight because a great many uh, gamers would like to transition. I've spent 20 years keeping the sword fight. Uh, it starts with the simple sword. You can get that on Amazon. Then I have a book on axe fighting, the fighting axe and the simple spear. I have the Big Stompy Robots uh, line of game and novels. Uh, I've been building the the lore and mechanics for this since 2007. It's just a great, you know, again, real simple, quick to play, easy to learn kind of game where the, it literally has the golden rule is when in doubt, choose an option that blows the most stuff up. My art can be found either on uh, at deviantart.com slash Nick T. I've been there for 20 years. Or Curtain um, Tales, Volume 1, which is a publication through Amazon. And I broadcast at, uh, at youtube.com slash Nicholas Tucker. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for a morning show at 10 a.m. Eastern called Nevermind the Furthermore, where I promote authors, game designers, artists, creatives. You guys are more than welcome to hop in the chat over there. We'll plug, you know, I'll plug your shows. And we just try to hold each other accountable, build each other up. I have a web Friday night on the Historical Fencing Guild channel where I we review swords, talk trainers, uh, help build people up there. And then sometime during the weekend, I do Art Time with Nick, where I draw the thumbnails for the other shows. And then I do, you know, uh, prompt-based art just to keep things light and loose and kind of Bob Ross my way. So I'm all over the place. Once you start looking for me, I kind of pop up everywhere. The only place I've kind of been lax is actually Discord. Because <laughs> in, in the last year, I think I've learned four different uh, social media sites. And I looked at Discord and I'm like, oh, okay. you know, we'll, we'll put this on the pile. But uh, <laughs> All righty. Now, I heard you end your show with a really neat uh, call-out to a game people should be playing. Yeah, well, it could be a game you've played. could be one you just heard about, read about, think it looks interesting. If you want to do it, we call it Game of the Week. Game of the Week. <laughs> game of the Week. I love that. I love that you have a Game of the Week. because uh, And since Luke's not here, I'll take his so I can talk about two, because I will be that guy. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. <laughs> well, the last person who did two stole mine, so... I, I will be really interested if I manage to steal yours, and, and be, be true with me. I talked about one of them. I am, first off, I am a old-school gamer, and left to my old devices, I would be could easily be a grognard in the basement, you know, going, that darn Thacko is too new. <laughs> but uh, I've, I play uh, old-school uh, 
OSR, Old School Wrestling. And I found one a few years ago called Basic Fantasy RPG. And it is, if they took the old systems that I started with and basically flipped it around to be third done right, it's a great system. It's very, again, it, it's rules intelligent. But what I love most about it is if you go to basicfantasy.org, you can download for free every single thing they've printed out. If you want to buy it, the, the main player book on Amazon, and I want you to be braced for this, is $5. All the modules, all the expansions, things like that, and there are many because they're you know, community supported, are between like three and five bucks. The only expensive thing is my pride and joy, which is my hardcover, which was all of 13-something. Oh, there you go. Actually so inexpensive that I have a deal with the local library where every couple months we order a stack of them. And when I run RPGs for the kids, they get to take one home with them because it, you know, it's that and we got a whole bunch of discount dice. You know, here's dice, here's a thing you can play at home. Mm-hmm. That that's available in a world where you know, one book can be between 50 and 75 bucks and you can get people off screens and into gaming. And everyone doing that knows. I, I know the cost to print through Amazon. They're maybe making a buck a book. Because if you look at the price of most of my stuff, it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> I'll put stuff out there for people. That's being supportive of the community and getting more people gaming. So I'm all about that. The other one I wanted to mention that you may not have heard of, there is a podcast, and it is probably my favorite podcast. It's called Old Gods of Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Horror anthology podcast. And uh, Yeah, we've been big fans of their it's they got that new tabletop rpg coming out i'm sure that's what you're about to say that's one i i had to scrape to support it yeah but i've gotten so much enjoyment especially through 2020 because that yeah they uh (laughs) i i I had some parallel thinking because i hadn't heard about it i started a project that basically was that and i had to stop be like okay no i'll just let them do it (laughs) yeah i backed that on kickstarter as well I, I hate to put it this way, but so did I, because I know <laughs> I have a whole bunch of author friends who are from the Appalachian area, and I was a paranormal consultant for a period of my life where I was helping people. Most, the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, your house isn't haunted, you have a raccoon. Or <laughs> the vast, vast majority of the time was debunking things, but sometimes it wasn't, and then it gets interesting. I got out of that because, you know, that's the kind of gig you don't want things following you yet again. And I, I had some instances, and we'll put it that way. But uh, I, I wanted to see a system that felt like that. And I started working at it, and I was talking to them, and I hit Old Gods, did, did we're doing an RPG. And I'm just like, well, that gets filed into the circular file, because I, I, you know, Cam Collins and Steve Shell are, and I mean this with the highest respect, I am terrified of them. <laughs> I, I am in my, like... I, there, I, de- I would very much like to meet them, but I would also very much like to be able to peek in the uh, the door of the, the convention and, like, sniff the air or something first. Because they, they, they write such spooky stuff, and it is so both folklore accurate and, like, when you've been around a lot of the weird stuff, it feels like their descriptions are too spot on. Scares the absolute pants off of me, and I adore every moment of it. But yeah, they, they just did it too well. So those are my my games of the week. You know, my favorite ones I haven't made. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, you want to go next, Steve, and then I'll wrap it up? I can go next. Yeah, that works. Okay. Along the lines of, of the basic role-playing game, 
I've sort of become obsessed with this one. It's 99 cents on drive through and it is the travel size RPG. And it's, it's an improv storytelling game. It's specifically designed to be played like not at home or when you're just wanting to play a game and you have a group of people, but you don't have anything you want to like go too heavy on. This is, this is the game that you pull out of your back pocket and go, I could run something in this. And there's a lot of really cool supplements for it. And just, yeah, travel size RPG is something I picked up and have been sort of pouring over a little bit. All right. Well, I'm going to actually, and I already had this picked out. I'm going to kind of play off that because my game of the week is called Pocket Space RPG. <laughs> the PDF is all of a dollar. Mm-hmm. Pocket Space RPG is a complete role game playing game for a night of fun space exploration and taking control of your fate amongst the stars. It uses only one D6. It was specifically designed for those nights where someone, you know, cancels showing up the session last minute and you need something to do. Since you know, the new young players, no deep character creation, no clunky combat rules or complex space combat. You know, it's got says five classes rules for generating aliens with a whole bunch of different abilities, all kinds of cool stuff. And where I actually found this was because scrolling through things, there was pocket space robots, RPG, (laughs) the robot supplement, which was like 99 cents. Right. And I thought it was a separate game all on its own. And then I found out, no, it was just a supplement, but for $3, then you can probably have pocket space robots too. And Sweat. I mean, sweating that, that uh, price, well, man. Well, yeah. My my first tactics game, the first version of Big Stumpy Robots, the quick play, is literally 99 cents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a paid explanation. I can do all the rules off of a business card for a tactics game that was developed oh, yeah. to. My, my dad is obsessed with, well, he was obsessed with Starbucks. He would go to Starbucks. It was sort he he quit drinking many, 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 many years. But he, he realized Starbucks gave that bar feel be a regular. So we, my son and I'd be sitting there at Starbucks waiting for Dan to get his order. And I, I've already made my own minis out of like fireworks sticks. I was that poor kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Anything alone with me, I will scrounge it and turn it into whatever I need. And just a blast blowing up, you know, salt shakers because they were in the way of trying to shoot somebody and everything else. <laughs> I, I love RPGs of that. I did a, uh, a micro light, which I never distributed because I didn't want to get in trouble. That was basically the old school one condensed to one page, and it plays like a, a, almost like an old JRPG Zelda era kind of thing. <laughs> so this is this is great. I love what you guys are about. This is just <laughs> div- divine metallic. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, like this is, you know, now I, yeah, but uh, actually there's a whole bunch of this line of this pocket fantasy, pocket mm-hmm. fantasy, pocket space horror, and looking across the line, the, the, the expensive books are two bucks. Ooh. Most of them are 50 cents, pay what you want. <laughs> but yeah, it looks yeah. like fun. Yeah. But, well, we want to thank you and, and Luke for coming on the podcast. As always, you know, uh, we'll have links to everything in the show notes. Um, Discord, Facebook, Patreon, all those fun things. And... Remind you, be kind to one another. Get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. 
Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. I honestly feel sorry for other Steve because I don't think he said three words in the last hour and change. (laughs) That's okay. You were... To be that guy. No, you're good. You're good. People cannot see the nearly radioactively yellow Hawaiian shirt that I'm wearing that is, you know, (laughs) ran for myself. Because when I come out here, it's like, I'm going to turn everything on. But... um, (laughs)